joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue. Good evening. Thank you for being back with us tonight. Uh, we're going to, instead of uh, rolling in this uh, morning's lesson into next week, I just uh, figured we'd go ahead and wrap it up tonight uh, while it's still fresh on your thoughts and minds, while it's still fresh on mine as well. And, um, and then we'll be back on, on schedule. What, what would happen, and I'll tell you this, what happened is I would, I would, go all week long, I'll be like, oh man, my sermon's pretty well done for next week, you know, like it, I don't have a whole lot of studying to do, and then I'll get to Saturday night and be like, man, I need to study this all of a sudden, and so I just thought now, I don't have to worry about that, I just, I just won't procrastinate with it. So uh, let's uh, kind of recap where we were. Uh, we were talking about Moses this morning uh, and his idea of um, uh, being challenged with our personal struggles in life. Let's actually go back and and start with this Hebrews passage. This is kind of the text that we're kind of jumping off of, and we're, we're wrapped up in through the entirety of the series, is working through Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Moses, uh, when he was called up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, and he was looking uh, for he was looking forward to the reward, and by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of of the anger of the king, for he endured uh, as seeing him uh, who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And so we talked about this morning about how uh, this particular description of Moses is very polished, a uh, very favorable look. At Moses, and not an unscriptural look, a true look. Uh, but as we get into some of the texts that we look at today, uh, we see, you know, sometimes when you look back on a situation, uh, you can find the more positive sides of it. Uh, but when you're living in it, there is a very realness to it. And the passages uh, from starting this morning and what we're going to look at tonight, we very much see these stories that are referred to, but we see them kind of in a very real environment. And we see uh, some of the struggle in that. Um, so this morning we talked about uh, the idea of how um, the excuses, I guess, more than anything that he made, I'm trying to get through these, that he made as he was standing before God. Uh, he looked at God and he said, you know, who am I? Uh, I'm not the person you think I am. You've got the wrong guy. And what was God's response to that? I will what? I will be with you. I will be with you. Then he gets into the what ifs. You know, what if this happens or what if that happens? They're going to think I'm crazy. And again, pretty much God says in, in a different way, but with the same message, I will be with you. And then he says, oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent with speech. He's saying, I can't do this. And there again, a little bit different words, but he says, I will be with you. Uh, we, we kind of ended with this idea, and Moses was instructed in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, uh, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Well, as we get into this tonight, we're actually going to back into uh, chapter 2, and we're going to see him a little bit in that Egyptian environment. So open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2 as we kind of look at the second, the second point or second breakdown 
of, of this? Uh, what happens to get him to this place of making excuses before God? What were his struggles before he got there? It says, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, let's connect these two passages a little bit. Uh, one day when Moses had grown up. I think one of the things that uh, we've never really talked about a whole lot or see in his story, uh, we never see what actually kind of happens here, that there was a time, uh, according to the Hebrews text, that Moses kind of realizes, I'm not really, I'm not really of these people. I, I mean, we talked last week about how his mother saved him and how Pharaoh's daughter found him, and he grew up. In, in the temple, in, in not the temple, but rather in the palace of Pharaoh, the, I mean, the greatest uh, society up to that point that had ever been. And to this day, one of the greatest societies that had ever been created by man. He grew up in this society that, that taught engineering and math and science and all these things that uh, were really kind of uh, ahead of its time in many ways. You go and you look at the pyramids and you just can see how awesome that their society was with so little. I mean, things we build today are impressive, but nothing rivals their ingenuity in the way that they uh, had to work, the things that they had to do. And Moses grows up in all of this. Moses grows up in all of this. And there was something, though, something about him that he realizes that even though I've been brought up in this, and I think a lot of it is what his mother taught him as she ends up being his nanny, if you will, and raising him, and she instills all of this godly godliness, this, this history of his people, this uh, individuality of who he is outside of, uh, the being this kind of adopted Egyptian, if you will, and it really, took, it really struck his heart. It, it, it struck a chord in his heart to the point that our text here today, or tonight, says that as he grew up and, and he decides to be more about his people, he looks at what's going on with them and their burdens, and it, it really bothered him and upset him. So what happens here in this particular situation is he's got uh, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, and what does he do? He looks this way and that, seeing no one. He struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, we could break that down, and we could look at a lot of problems of that moment, and we will here maybe in just a few moments. Then when we fast forward, though, to another incident, we don't know how, um, we don't know really what he did uh, in, in the meantime, but just like uh, in any society, word travels fast, right? Word travels fast. He hid a guy in the sand, but it wasn't a secret, um, because it says right here, when he went out the what? The next day. Behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So part of his struggle here, I believe, comes from this verse. Moses knew that God wanted him to do something. Moses knew that God wants me to step up and, and, and make a difference. I'm going to make a difference for my people. But Moses began to make a difference with power and force. Power and force. He comes into a situation and he sees a mistreatment, a, a mistreatment of 
power, if you will, that this Egyptian was using, and he decides to use the same method, the same power and force to put on this Egyptian his feelings, his desires, his wants to serve God, but he's maybe got the right motive, but the method he's using is totally, totally wrong. You don't, you don't misuse power. You don't misuse your position in this particular way to, to come in and, and try to solve problems. And then the next day, when the same thing happens, the same situation's going on, but there's a struggle between two of his kinsmen, what's their take on the matter? What's their take? They look at him and they go, who, made you in, who put you in charge? Who made you prince over us? And, and you know that's a jab, right? That's because he was raised as, as an adopted prince, basically. Who made you prince over us? He comes in, and, and they're just all aggravated about it. And they look at him, and, and what do they question? They question his what? His actions. Not his motive. Not his heart. They question his actions. Are, are, are you going to just kill us like you killed this Egyptian? Are you going to act like them? I want you to... Hold on to that phrase for just a second. Are you going to act like them? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? I want you to hold on to that, and let's go to this next section here, because there's, there's a connection here and something I think we need to, to think about. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled their troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up, and what? Save them. Okay, so there's something about Mo- Moses has a saving personality, right? Moses has a personality that when he sees something that's not going the way it should, when he sees someone being mistreated, he feels the need to act. Is that a bad trait to have? No, not at all. Now, again, if you do it by force and power, you're, go- you're not going to get very far. You're going to create a lot more problems than, than God has um, good plans for you. You know, like you're, you're going to create problems. God's like, I got good pr- plans, but you're creating problems. So he stands up. Though, he's like, I, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to save them. Uh, and then he went on and he watered their flock. When they came home to their father, well, he said, how is it that you've come home so soon today? They said, now read this with me. And an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. Is Moses an Egyptian? No. But what did he look like? What did he look like to these girls? He looked like an Egyptian. He looked like a, this, this prince, right? As he's trying to deal with, with people, the, the Hebrew people, his brothers, um, in, 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 the Jew, in, in, the, in the Hebrew family there, they looked at him and they go, who made you what? Prince over us. A jab at, at his, his royalty-ness, if you will. His Egyptian-ness. Here's his biggest problem at this point. He's wanting to do things for God. He's wanting to serve God, but he doesn't look like someone that is serving God. He wants to be of the people of God, But who does he look like and who does he act like? The Egyptians. You know, when we come into this family, when we come into a relationship with God, one of the things that we have to make sure of is that that we don't say we want to serve God while going around and acting still like the world. 
when we put on Christ, Paul talks about this all through the book of Ephesians. He says that putting on Christ is the process of taking off the old and putting on the what? The new. Basically says, hey, when you become a child of God, I'm going to give you a whole new wardrobe so that when you walk around, when people see you, they don't see you as they don't see you as the world anymore. I see you as a child of God because you are dressed, you are clothed in clothes of righteousness. Matter of fact, Paul goes on to say that that um, that new wardrobe I give you is actually not clothes, but rather a set of what in the book of Ephesians? A set of armor. We give you a set of armor. That's, that's what you're really putting on. But we see this in, in Moses' life right here that, that, hey, I want to be about God. I want to be uh, about doing great things for God. I want to make a difference. I want to try to do things. But they just don't seem to work out. And why do they not seem to work out? I believe the core of it is because he just had not yet let go of the part of himself that he had. He hadn't humbled himself. He hadn't just let go of this Egyptianness about him so that he could step up and lead. We have to be we, we have to think about that too. Are there things of the world that I still hold on to that I still allow to define me? Maybe the reason that I'm not really able to to do the things that I want to do in, in church, in the kingdom. Maybe the way I want to serve is not working out because I haven't yet really let go of the world. That, that I, I'm walking in here and I'm acting like a Christian, but I've still, I still don't look like one yet. It, it, it's, it's, I've not really let it be who I truly am. And so he struggles with that. And so we go on. He waters the flock. He said to his daughters, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him uh, that he may come and eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell uh, with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter, Sephorah. She gave birth to a son and they named him Gershom. For he said, I have been a, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now, we get to kind of catching up to where we were this morning. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. This would have been Moses' what? Step-granddad, basically, right? Step-granddad. Um, during these days, many uh, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Um, that catches us up to where we were this morning. So where we started this morning, where was Moses at the beginning of our story this morning? Watching sheep where? Watching sheep in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. A lot of times, a lot of times we have to find our identity in our own personal wilderness. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered why is God allowing me to go through the things that I'm going through? We talked about in our class this morning this idea of struggles from James chapter 1, that sometimes struggles are brought on ourselves, right? Sometimes struggles are brought on ourselves. We bring problems into our own life. But James says that there are sometimes in our life that the struggles that we face are not necessarily because 
have brought them on myself, not because I'm making bad decisions, but because God goes, hey, you know what? I've got something I need you to accomplish. i got something I need you to do. Yes, you are going to serve. You had not figured out how you're going to serve yet because there's some things you need to let go of. There's some things that you need to change. There's some growth that needs to happen in your life. So I'm going to put these challenges in front of you. These training moments is another way to look at it in front of you. And I need you to go through those things so that when you get to the other side of it, you're ready to do what I want you to do, the way that I want you to do it. There's a couple of moments in uh, the, the story of Moses that I, that I love that I see would have been so different if it had just worked out the way Moses wanted to work it out. So the people of Israel had a tendency of gropping and complaining, right? They're like, yeah, let's go. Let's get out of this place. And then they get to the Red Sea, and what do they all of a sudden start doing? Griping and complaining, can't believe we're going to die right here. You know, they get to the, they get to Mount Sinai. The presence of God is like engulfed this mountain. Uh, if I could go back and like see like one or two like scenes from Scripture, the couple that it would be would be this one, and and then the times that God's presence like enters into the tabernacle and and into the temple, and it's just this cloud that just engulfs everything. And I would love to like. His presence is right there, and they're at the base of the mountain, and they're like, we want a God to worship, and they're all griping and complaining about something. Then they're out in the desert, and they're like, we're hungry. We want something to drink. I mean, it just sounds like a bunch of kids, right? Like, and so, but if Moses, if the Moses of chapter 2 had been in charge when they get to the Red Sea, and they're griping and complaining, the Moses that kills people to fix a situation, how do you think the story would have gone? Not very well, right? Okay, that's a very valid point. God, God's gonna, God's gonna do what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I believe that's a fair point. Um, but let, let's speak in the hypothetical though for a second. Would Moses had responded the way God needed him to? I don't know. I think there'd have been a lot more frustration. I think there'd have been a lot more aggravation from him. But what did God do? God said, I need this guy that's been trained by these Egyptians. I need his leadership. I, I need his commitment. I don't need his personality like he's got it right now. I don't need the personal struggle. He's going to have to lead this group of people around the wilderness for 40 years. I know that's what's going to have to happen. So where does he send him? To the wilderness for 40 years to feed sheep. To water sheep. He wasn't prepared to be the man that God needed at the Red Sea, at Mount Sinai, the water at the rock. You know, we still see that sometimes... Sometimes he got frustrated still, right? That personality came out there at the end of the journey. He just gets mad and he strikes the rock like he doesn't do what God wants him to do there. But sometimes in our life, God says, look, I'm with you. Know that I'm with you. But I need you to be patient. I need you to trust my process. You may think I've got it all figured out. You may think I'm going to do this and it's going to work out that way. And it may not work out that way, but that doesn't mean you get aggravated. That doesn't mean you quit. It means you trust in God even more. You lean into God even more. Because if God is going to use you, He's going to use you, like we talked about this morning, and prepare you for that. It may mean, though, you go through your wilderness. 
It may mean that you go through challenges and and problems and issues that you're not completely sure why you're going through that. You may not see the other side of it. You may not see the big picture of it. But God's got a plan. God's going to see you through it. God's going to take care of you in those moments. All right, so let me get to my things here. All right, so so here are three things that when we when we think about this idea, three things that God will do with us in the process. Three things we need to know about as we see from his story. Number one, he shows us that he knows what's best. God shows us that he knows what is best. Um, I see in, in the conversation between Moses and God, I see so much parenting. I see so much parenting. I think that this conversation that they have in chapter uh, 3 and and four, and just kind of the story of Moses' life, I see so many parallels that parents can look and go, how do I deal with a child who has this issue and this challenge, and they're maybe hard-headed, and they want to do this instead of that? I just see God just, just saying, this is an example. And it's one of those things that, hey, in our own lives, as, a, as parents, there are so many times that, that we look at our kids, and we know what's best. We know what's best. And we keep telling them, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And how often do they always listen? There's this video that's been, that, that, that circulates around. I see it from time to time. And it's a mom, and she's handing a kid a pot. And that kid wants to grab the bottom of this pot. And every time she's fixing to hand it to her, and the kid does this, she goes, the pot's hot. And she backs it away. And then she goes to hand it. And she's waiting for her to grab the handles, you know, to pass it off. And that little girl, she hands it back to her again. She goes to grab the bottom. And what does the mom say? The pot's hot. And she takes it away. And then she does it a third time. And what does she say? Pot's hot. And then the fourth time, you know what she finally does? Just grab it. Do what you need to do. I know what's best for you. That doesn't mean we're always going to listen. But I think in those moments that we don't always listen, that actually reiterates this fact even more, doesn't it? Sometimes when we have those fall flat on our face moments before God, it reminds us, you know what? God's going to show us that he knows what's best. He's, he's been showing me the whole time. When I'm praying and asking for this, and, and, it, and I'm thinking, is this of God? But, but it's not what I want. I think it's God, but I'm going to go here and do what I want. It, it reiterates the fact that God, God knows best. When my way fails, it reiterates that God is always the best. So remember that God shows us that he knows what is best. The second thing here is God gives us weaknesses to complete the power of Christ that is in us. Boy, Paul really spends time talking about this through his writings. As he talks about his own thorn in his flesh, there's a lot of opinions of what that thorn in his flesh really is, right? It's a lot of opinions. Some people think it's a, uh, a physical thing. Some people say it's a spiritual thing. Um, I, I think since he needs God's grace, I, I believe it's in the form of a temptation of some sort. Uh, one of the things that I've always, um, the, the, the way, one of the things that I've always thought it could be, and, and I think there's a little bit of evidence for this, is there seems to be this group of Jewish Judaizers that are Christians that their goal is to tear down Paul. And Paul talks about that. He talks about those people in a couple of his letters. And I think that that just constant, people just attacking him and coming behind him and trying to undo what he's doing in the name of Christ, I think that it may just worn him down sometime. 
And he says, but his grace is sufficient. That even though I'm struggling with this, whatever the struggle might have been, even though I'm struggling with this, God's grace is sufficient. Because when I am weak, what's the rest of it? He is strong. When I'm weak, he is strong. If we had all the ability, we would make a lot more mistakes many times. But God gives us weakness not to make us feel less, not to make us feel inferior. He gives us those weaknesses so that we realize that what we're doing, what we're accomplishing, number one, is not on our own. I couldn't do it without Jesus. And it forces us to lean into him and allow him to lead us in that way. And, and then this kind of final thing, when we are weak, then we are strong. Those two things really do kind of tie into each other there. So, I kind of leave the same way we left this morning, and I ask the question, what are you, what are you struggling with tonight? What needs to be left at the foot of the cross this evening in your life? I think I've used this illustration when I first, back when I first started. It's been several years, several years. I've not been here several years. It's been a couple at least. Um, but I told you the story about my grandmother and about, I call it the under the blanket theory. Anybody remember me talking about under the blanket theory? And I should have brought it tonight. Um, but my grandmother heard me online make the, use this illustration. She uh, loved to... Um, hand embroider blankets and um, she always had one going in her bedroom and I remember we'd play hide and go seek and I get up under this blanket that she's working on and um, all, all you saw was you know strings hanging down and you could tell a little bit here and there what she might be working on um, and I feel like that's our life a lot of times but in our life just like Moses here we live under the blanket and we look up and we see bits and pieces of God's plans kind of dangling around. And we kind of look up and we, we see a little bit of this picture here and a little bit of this picture here, but we don't really see the fullness of anything. And then, but God's up there and God has the above the blanket view and he's, he's putting all the pieces in place. He's putting the picture together. He's, he's, he's making this elaborate tapestry of our lives with my life and your life, everybody else's life, and, and he's working them together for his good and for what he wants and for what he needs. And we have to trust that he knows what's best. It was really cool at Christmas. She had heard me make, use this illustration. It's been a couple of years since I've used it. And she said, hey, she said, do you remember this illustration? I said, well, yeah. I said, I've, I've used it a couple of different times. It's, it's kind of one of those that I use. Um, the, one of my favorites because it's got such a personal connection with me on it. And um, she goes, well, I want to give you something. And I said, what? She took me back to her bedroom. She reached in the closet and she pulled out that blanket and she opened it up and she uh, unfolded it across the bed. I, I didn't know where or what that blanket, if it even still existed. And she said, probably about the time you were in high school, she goes, I finally finished it. And I thought, man, that, that's, that's, that preaches in itself too, right? Like I was a kid when she was working on this and it took that long for her to finally finish. You know, our, our, our process with God is not something quick. It takes time. We grow in that. And she gave me that, that blanket uh, at Christmas uh, to bring home and I've got it put up in the closet. But I want you to know tonight that no matter what you're struggling with, God has the best view of that. He knows exactly the things to do to help you overcome to help you strengthen, to help you endure, 
And he's putting those things in. You may not see it yet, but he's putting those things in your life. And he's going to help you overcome those challenges, those personal struggles, so that when that moment comes that you need that extraordinary faith, it will be right there in your grasp. Let's go to God in prayer as we close out. God, we thank you for our time today. We thank you for this story and the life of Moses and the faith that he showed uh, as, as he tried to figure out how to serve you. There, there's so many other kind of points we could make in this story, God, and that we could pull out, but well, we thank you for the ones that we've discussed tonight. Help us to realize that our struggles aren't meant to define us necessarily as a person, but they should define how we minister in your kingdom. Help us to take our struggles and turn them into strengths and ministry opportunities to help others through those things that we have overcome, God. Help us to do that with our faith. Just bless us, God. Help us to walk close to you each day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. And Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus. Demand.